Hey ladies and gents and welcome back to Controlled Interest where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 12. As always, I'm joined by Jordan and Dominic. What's up guys? Hola, mi amigos. Yeah, yeah, hola, definitely. So, getting into what we've been playing this week. Um, I said last week I was going to be playing through Lords of the Fallen, but I uh, actually forgot that I had bought in the season pass for Trials uh, Fusion, which is a 2D like timed game that's really difficult takes like everything i love about 2d platformers which is interesting because i don't normally like racing games but this game's all about timing and like you know uh trying to finish the level as fast as you can with as few as faults so i got into that and i played the last four dlc packs i think it came out with six and those came out a long time ago i just forgot i had them so i've been playing a lot of that um just because i don't have dark souls 3 so i wanted something to really piss me off <laughs> and that game's really good at that uh so I've just been playing Trials Fusion. Um, I actually got into the Paragon beta, which is um, the MOBA from uh, Epic. And uh, it's pretty cool. Um, I don't think they're doing anything like crazy to change the MOBA genre. It doesn't entice me to want to play it more, but it's there and it was interesting to play. It looks better than all of them, but it doesn't play better. Um, so that was kind of disappointing. I, I don't think it did everything I wanted it to do, but I've only played one game. Um, but the art style is really cool, and like I said, it looks really pretty. It looks better than any other MOBA out there. A lot better than a lot of games, because um, it's you know it's epic. They're very familiar with the Unreal Engine, so obviously their games are going to look fantastic. Um, yeah, just Trials Fusion, uh, Paragon. There was something else. I've been playing Minecraft a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, not been playing too much really. What about you guys? I've been doing a couple things. Um, I picked up. As you guys know, the original Legend of Zelda um, on 3DS Virtual Console, and also Super Mario Bros. 3. So, going back in time a little bit here to play some NES games. And <laughs> this could be a whole topic for another day, I guess, but it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's something like, like I feel like I should do, because I yeah. should know. Especially um, Zelda, I mean, a franchise I love. I've never played the original, right? Yeah. It's it's old. I'll say that much. Um, it's different too. It's very different. I mean, I mean, I mean, I've always been in love with how Dark Souls kind of plops you in a world without any context. The original Legend of Zelda, famously, literally, just you start the game and you're just in a field and that's it. <laughs> they don't tell you anything. You don't have any weapons. So, for example, when I started, didn't have a weapon. I I didn't go in that first cave like you're supposed to. I went along a path. And wandering around, wandered around for ten minutes, without a sword, trying to survive, and it didn't Jeez. work great because it doesn't control very well. Yeah, it was made in nineteen eighty whatever. But so eventually, I found the sword, and it a little bit better. But then also, I picked a Pokemon Y, and that will be a topic later in the show today. So I'll get into that a little later. So awesome! A lot of mobile action, it seems like, right? Yeah, the three DS is. I mean. I don't get a ton of time to play like console games, right? So, but I can just cram hours into my 3DS. So, Jordan, what about you? You you step on Persona yet? Or are you still Witcher throwing it up? Yeah, I haven't gotten back to Persona quite yet, but have no fear that will get done before episode 20. Um, Where the hair goes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, uh, originally today I was going to make my topic about uh, Quantum Break impressions, um, but uh, decided to go with something else, so um, I guess I'll use this time to give you guys my thoughts on the game. Um, 
I am midway through Act 4 out of 5, so I'm getting pretty close to the end of the game. Um, and I've been thinking about this a lot recently, but uh, so far this is my game of the year. Yeah, Quantum Break, man, I'm, I'm in love with it. Um, as I said last week, I think it's miles ahead of Uncharted 4 as far as third-person action-adventure and uh, third-person shooters. Um, and something I wanted to point out was this whole, like, TV show thing that they do in between the acts. Um, I know a lot of people have talked about it already, but, um, for me, I see the fact that Remedy thinks, or not that they think, they're trying to, um, you know, kind of revolutionize the industry in a certain way and change how things, um, are done and change how a story is told in a video game. Um, and to be honest, I wouldn't say that they've like completely revolutionized anything at all. Um, these are just like 20, 25 minute episodes, um, of this show that for the most part doesn't interact very much with the main characters of the game, except for the villains. Um, and so it's really supplementary. I mean, honestly, I think you could just play the game without the show and you would be okay. There really wouldn't be too much lost on you. Um, but I do think that they're making important strides in storytelling. And I think that um, this was a risk and a chance that they took that, that paid off. Um, like I said, I don't think they're revolutionizing anything. But I think they're really just the tip of the iceberg. Um, and I think they're going to be the first ones that you see where um, you can kind of look down the road and see how a lot of other studios, game development studios, would um, take a cue from the way Remedy told the story in this game. So um, I don't think everybody's just going to start like adding web shows to their video games. Um, but I think that this will get the industry thinking outside the box. And I did talk about the fact that I think um, you know, my favorite part of Uncharted 4 was definitely the story, and um, Naughty Dog are certainly great storytellers, but um, I really want to applaud Remedy for, um, you know, I mentioned the fact that I felt like Uncharted 4 was just lacking any innovation whatsoever. And even though I said I don't think they're revolutionizing storytelling here, I think they're definitely pushing it in a new direction, and I really appreciate that from Remedy, so... Those are my impressions on Quantum Break. Really awesome. Time powers are so much fun to play with. Um, feels kind of like Infamous, which, of course, I love. And, um, yeah, I, I would 100% recommend this to um, anybody that has an Xbox and a PC and likes third-person action-adventure. Um, besides that, though, I I think I just played Quantum Break in, in Witcher Hearts of Stone this week. Uh, got... Uh, pretty far into Hearts of Stone, probably about a little less than halfway through with that campaign, trying to do all the side missions and all the the treasure hunts and the Witcher contracts and all that, so I'm really digging into it. Like I said, it's kind of more of just the same awesome game that I've come to know and love over the past year, and um, I think they are going to be doing... It seems to me like the second expansion, Blood and Wine, is going to be more different than the main game. They're going to be changing a lot of things up. So for this first expansion, I think they did a really good job of introducing new characters and 
giving you new things to do. Um, they added uh, rune crafting um, as a mechanic, and so there's all kinds of cool new stuff in there. Um, if you like The Witcher, I'd totally recommend it because it's a great expansion pass. So that's what I've been playing. So uh, let's get right into the news here, guys. Um, so the first story is a rumor, but there was a leaked poster. Uh, this story comes by way of Game Informer Ben Reeves. Uh, Destiny's new expansion may be called Rise of Iron. According to a reportedly leaked Destiny poster, Bungie's, Bungie's epic online shooter's next expansion may be called Rise of Iron, which makes sense because they have the Iron Banner in that game. I think that's what it's called. Yeah. And the studio is working on another expansion to bridge the gap to the next title. Uh, Destiny fans are eagerly awaiting more content. Um, I jumped off the Destiny bandwagon before Taken King. I felt that that game was very lackluster in its content. Um, and I didn't feel like paying them an extra $40 to get a game I should have got with my first $60 I spent on the game. Um, and that's just the way I personally take it. Um, I had fun with Destiny. By no means were the gameplay mechanics bad. The shooting mechanics were second to none. Um, but the game itself was very lacking. Um, it to, to Jordan's point, this would probably be what I would say the opposite of Uncharted 4, where they nail all of the gameplay, but there's literally no story. Um, yeah. And to Dom's point of, I know Dom loves Uncharted 4, and I would take a game with story with subpar, in some people's opinions, mechanics, than a game with fantastic game mechanics and literally no story that I care about. Um, that's just the way I look at it personally. So after that, Destiny's, we have a really quick, it's not even really a news story, but uh, over on the Japanese Pokemon Twitter account, they basically stated that, uh, you know, last week we got the trailer showing us the new starters. Um, on June 2nd, we're going to get more news, which I assume is going to be I don't know, more Pokemon could be more... We already know what's taking place in Hawaii. We already know the the you know the characters are a lot more humanistic. Uh, like, they look a lot more proportionate. Um, we know that we've seen the rival. So, I don't know what else they could show that'd be super important. Maybe there's stuff that, like, huge Pokemon... Like, I love Pokemon, but I don't know what else I would need to see. I'm already buying the game, you know? Um, but I guess there's going to be some new announcements on June 2nd, which is in time for everything else leading up to E3. Speaking of E3, uh, this comes by way of IGN. And uh, Mar uh, Marty Sleva, everyone's favorite podcaster that's on almost everything IGN at this point, um, he says, Rockstar Games' next projects will be revealed soon. Whether it'll be the long-rumored Red Dead Redemption 2 remains to be seen. Rockstar Games will be revealing some exciting future projects soon. Uh, this news came uh, during Take-Two Interactive's quarterly earnings report. During the report, Rockstar's parent company explained, Looking ahead, we expect to grow non-GAAP revenues and earnings in fiscal 2018, uh, based on a robust development plan that extends well beyond the current fiscal year. Uh, Take-Two didn't specify what the future projects might be or whether they'd be revealed at next month's E3. This news follows a recent report leaked of the currently unannounced Red Dead 2's map, which also pointed to the game taking place prior to the original. Rockstar's latest full release was Grand Theft Auto V, which, sold, uh, which was scored a 10, Saying that it's amazing world, yada yada yada, talking about uh, GTA Five. Um, do you guys? What do you guys think Rockstar will announce if they will announce at E three? And do you think we're going to be getting a game this year? So I heard a different rumor that none of their, none of uh, none of anything they're working on is going to release in twenty sixteen. That the first thing they or the next thing rather they're going to release will be March or spring twenty seventeen at the earliest. So, and I think that will be Red Dead Two. Um, but then I think they also have something else in the pipeline, so like a new IP or some sort of spinoff of GTA. I don't think we're going to see a GTA 6 quite yet, but that's my guess. 
Yeah, I think it'll be a while before we see GTA 6. Hopefully. You know, I'm wondering if they're kind of screwing the pooch with this whole Red Dead 2 thing. Um, I don't know if you found the story or not, Dom, but uh, you said you wanted to talk about NVIDIA releasing some new PC gamer nerd stuff. Yeah, some weird nerd teraflops and some other crazy business. Mega teraflops. Mega tups. Yeah, so a few weeks ago, NVIDIA announced two new graphics cards. And the review embargoes recently got lifted, so now there's reviews up. And essentially, they've cut in half like the price-to-performance ratio, or I guess maybe doubled it. Essentially, for $600 now, you can buy a single graphics card that will play any game at ultra settings at 4K resolution at a full 60 FPS, which has never happened before in a single card. And previously, you would probably need two cards costing a total of like $1,200 to do anything like this. So for much, it's getting much more or more and more affordable to, uh, to game at 4K on PC. So just some, just some cool things I, I wanted to bring up if, anyone, if anyone's into PC gaming here. I mean, it's, it's really got me, it's got me wondering whether or not I want to buy a Neo this fall, assuming that's what happens, or maybe I build another PC. Obviously, it's a bigger cost, but it might be more worth it compared to a Neo, which isn't going to do anything really at 4K compared to what a PC with this guy could do. Um, Homefront The Revolution came out this week to less than stellar reviews. Um, and some people, a lot of people are actually pointing that towards its terrible frame rate issues. Uh, a lot of people are having very bad frame rate issues. Uh, the story I'm talking about comes from Game Informer uh, by way of Mike Futter. Um, the headline reads, Dam Buster promises to fix Homefront The Revolution's problems. A Dam Buster is actually the developer who worked on the game. They're owned by publisher Deep Silver. Um, and it states, while we haven't finished putting Home for the Revolution through its paces, our early impressions aren't terribly flattering. Um, Dan Buster has acknowledged the game's glaring problems. In his look at the cooperative resistance mode, uh, Jeff Cork had some less than positive things to say about the game's performance. Even after installing the latest update, Homefront the Revolution runs poorly on the PlayStation 4. The frame rate sputters around, occasionally hitting around 30 FPS, but dipping regularly. It makes the shooting, which already feels mushy and unfulfilling, virtually unplayable at times. Gambuster agrees about the frame rate. In a post on the official forums uh, from community manager Greg Turner, the company lays out the forward. It has been a long road for us, and we're only getting started. But we're also aware that performance, particularly frame rate, is not currently where we want it to be, and we are working on it um, through additional patches to help address these issues. Um, so I think this, uh, really quick before we get into your guys' thoughts on this, I think this had to do with this game getting out there. Um, this game was in development hell for a very long time, at least the home front as a franchise. And I think uh, Deep Silver is probably pushing these guys to get this game out because we've heard about this game for so long. And they're like, just get this game done. Just get this game done. Just get this game done. And I think they had a deadline that they couldn't move around. They're not Naughty Dog where they can delay it. They're not these big studios. They're these guys that are handling this IP that was purchased, you know, and I think they were like, we had to hit this deadline, and I don't think they necessarily got the testing that they needed to get done. You know, the alpha and beta testing, the performance testing, and they had to release a shitty product. Um, and I think now the developer has to see here and make customers not put their name in the dirt because it's something they had to deal with the publisher, right? That's what I'm feeling from this anyways. I'm, I'm with you. And after what we just heard about Battlefront, cutting short what the game should have been to hit a release date, that's at least better than releasing a product that doesn't even work. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, it's not great either. I mean, obviously money is on their minds, but at, at least Battlefront worked and worked really well for yeah. what it had. But this is, yeah, from what I've heard, this is, this is not good. I don't know how you can re release a product 
like this at this scale. I mean, this is this should be a big game. Like I, I don't know. I, I don't know how they let this go. And Deep Silver isn't that big of a publisher. So to me, I think they were trying to meet deadlines, probably for investors, and they're not a big a big publisher to begin with. So I think it was a completely a money thing. And I mean, something might come out later that we find out it was uh, was the developer's fault, not necessarily the publisher. Who knows? But I think at this point, Dan Buster, I don't want to fault them for us. Uh, I think they're going to work their hardest to get these patches out to make the game run right. I really think this was a publishing issue. I just now Dan Buster's name is thrown in the dirt. They're like these guys can't deliver a good game, you know. So I don't know. It's unfortunate. Honestly, I feel like Dan Buster's damned if they do, damned if they don't. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, he was going to piss someone off. Either the game's late or it's not good, right? Yeah. Well, and I just feel like you know people should be counting their stars here because. It's a miracle this game even came out, period. I mean, this, like, development hell is understating it completely. Uh, this game was just all kinds of crazy. Like, Crytek used to be working on this game, and they had employees just start walking out because of the fact that they hadn't been paid in months. Like, this game has been drugged through the mud and then some. So, um,. The people that are paying sixty dollars for it, they don't care how long it took to develop or they want to what play kind of a hell game. it went through. Like they yeah, they want they game. want a good game. So I, I get that too. That sucks for them, you know. I think what I think the best thing Dan Bus can do is one of two things. They can obviously get these patches out as fast as they possibly can, right, and make sure the game runs well. And they have two points to move forward, get in the good graces of gamers. They can either A release a stellar DLC that's amazing, right? It just blows everything out of the water. Maybe it's even better than the original game, and it works perfectly fine. And they're like, this is what we're actually capable of when we have our timeline, when we can make a game when we want to make it, right, without having to push deadlines. Or two, if that's not their po- if, if the sales aren't great, uh, maybe they do have a, an opportunity to make a, a next Homefront game, right? And maybe at that point they do have the time to invest in the next Homefront, whatever it happens to be. I think they have opportunities to get in the good graces of gamers, I think until more information is out there, I think we need to treat this as a publishing issue. And, uh, you know, I think look at Deep Silver to be troubled. Don't look at Dan Buster. I don't think it's their their fault, you know. This is a Deep Silver issue. But, alas, we don't know until all the information comes out. Um, our last story here comes by way of Kotaku. Uh, Brian Ashcraft writes, Hideo Kojima isn't making a new game engine. Which is surprising to a lot of people because people know that he is very particular about his video games. And, for instance, with Metal Gear Solid Five, they made the Fox engine from the ground up, which took forever. Um, but, obviously, it paid off because that game looks fantastic. Um, and, unfortunately, like Jordan and I were talking about before the show, it probably is the only game that will feature that engine, unless it's their Pro Evolution Soccer uh, game. Um, but, so, the story writes, uh, Thankfully for his upcoming PS4 game, Hideo Kojima won't go back to the game engine drawing board, at least for now. He states, I, think, uh, I honestly think it's better to make your own uh, engine and tools. However, since I want people to play the first title as soon as possible, we're going to use a third-party engine, tune it for our needs, and create with that. For the past few months, Kojima has been jetting around the world, meeting with other game developers and uh, visiting studios. Kojima added that the reason was to look at what kind of development tech and tools were available. Now that Kojima will be using a third-party game engine, does that mean we can expect that big AAA title sooner rather than later? I can't say when, Kojima told the audience, but I'd like everyone to play it as soon as possible, but this will take time. So, uh, you know, Kojima, I think, really just wants to push out another game because he knows he makes good games, right? And I think that... Is Sony publishing this next game? I'm not too familiar. Are yes, they publishing the Ko- so. Kojima Productions game? No, it's a... Uh, 
console exclusive uh, for PlayStation Four, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be on PC. Okay, um, so it's they're, they're they're fronting the bill though, I believe. I think they'll probably yeah put some money towards A it at blank least. Blank check to yeah. get that exclusivity. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I think he, uh, he has every right to do whatever he wants at this point. He has a proven track record. And I think this is awesome news for PlayStation gamers because you don't have to wait. You'll have to wait a little bit, but I don't think you're going to have to wait forever, you know? So, uh, I'm not a big Metal Gear uh, guy, but I respect Kojima for what he's done for the industry. Um, are you guys excited that he's going to be using a third-party engine, or would you guys like to wait longer for his own specified engine? Yeah, I... Time will tell, but he's the kind of the guy I feel that people would follow him off a cliff if he told them that there was a good game at the bottom that he made. So, hmm. I mean, he's worth trusting. He has the reputation, so I trust him. I had actually been thinking about this a lot before you brought this up today, Jared. I was, because I was thinking about how they had built the Fox engine for MGS5 and how um, it sucks that he just can't use that anymore, yet he was an integral part of its creation. Um, and so I was thinking, yeah, a lot of these past couple days, like since he revealed that character model from the game, is he going to build this whole new engine? Is he going to use something else? What if, what will he use if he uses someone else's? And I, it doesn't seem to specify what engine he's going to use, correct? Uh, yeah, it doesn't specify. It just says he's going to be using a third-party engine. Which I'm assuming since he was traveling around the world, he was figuring out what would look best or work best. So Yeah. I, I think he's going to go with Unreal 4 just because there's honestly no reason not to unless you are going to make your own, which he isn't. So Unreal 4 seems like the right choice. Um, it seems like the obvious choice. Um, I mean, there's a few other engines out there, but I just don't think that any of them would suit him better than Unreal 4. So... That's my guess. Um, even though he says, you know, this is going to help get the game out a little earlier, I'm still thinking it's not. I think we're we're going to be waiting until 2019 before we get to play this game or even think about playing it, I guess. Yeah, I think it's good that he is uh, skipping that one big step so that he can get down to work. But, I mean, we all know how Kojima operates, and it's not at anyone else's pace than his own especially now that he's you know really in charge of his own deal so i think he's gonna take a sweet time and um yeah i definitely think it's gonna be a while before we get to play this one thank you guys for listening to the news portion of the podcast we're gonna be getting into the topics so jordan what do you have for us today in your topic so today um you know we're getting closer and closer to e3 so i thought um Instead of using this time for like an E3 predictions topic, which we'll we'll get to closer to the actual event, um, what I wanted to do was kind of break down um, the two consoles that the three of us are most familiar with, which is PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Um, so I guess, Jared, you'll be on the Xbox One side, Dom, you'll be on the PlayStation side, and I'll kind of be in the middle since I play both. Um, but what I want to do is kind of break down each console, um, what the things that you love about it, whether it's, you know, the user interface or even like physical parts of the box itself that you think look cool. Um, and then, you know, of course, like several of the exclusives that really entice you to, to play this console. Um, just give me some reasons why 
Xbox is awesome, why PlayStation's awesome, and I'll kind of bounce back and forth between the two. So we're going to have a um, console war. No, no, no. Because I think <laughs> after you talk about what you like about the PS4, before I get into what I like about the Xbox One, I want to say what I enjoy about the PS4 as well, even though I don't own yeah, them. Sure. But, yeah, sure. Exactly. I think we can bounce back and forth on that. Um, but yeah, I guess just don't be afraid to get down to the nitty gritty. Um, like I said, if you even want to talk about like the physical specs of the box itself, like whatever you want to talk about, um, for your console or the opposite is fine. So I guess Jared, take us away. Tell me about the old X bone. Alrighty. I'll go first. Like Xbox did when they unveiled the Xbox one and hopefully I don't screw it up as bad. Um, <laughs> so uh, first off um, I want to get to why I bought an Xbox One at launch over a PS4 the biggest reason for me as a gamer wasn't exclusive because there was nothing really worthy of it at that point it was that more of my friends were buying an Xbox One simply that I was honestly, I was fine going either way um, I don't know if I've explained this on the show before but I grew up with a Playstation and a Playstation 2 I didn't own an Xbox I was, hmm. a, I was a Sony fanboy I loved my Crash, I loved my Spyro like I was a huge Sony fan, and then once the 360 came around, um, all of my friends owned a 360. No one owned a PS3 because none of us could afford one. So <laughs> um, that's why I moved to Xbox 360, and it was just a natural progression. Um, getting into the why I like the Xbox One, I think its user interface is great. Um, that was one of my biggest gripes with the, the PS3. I did own one towards the end of the generation just for Last of Us. Um, I, I absolutely despise the PlayStation UI. I don't know if it changed on PS4. Uh, Dom will get into that. But I love the Xbox One um, user interface. It's easy. It's simple. You can snap things. You can customize things. Um, when it comes to achievements and trophies, I'm sure if I had a PlayStation 3 and 4, I would love trophies. But I love achievements. Um, it's kind of my legacy on Xbox, which is cool. I also like the animation for achievements. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but it's like this little like circle that bloops up. Then it extends, and it shows achievement unlocked. And, uh, yeah, it's really cool. I just like the animation for that. Um I like a lot of the games that have been through Xbox's legacy, even though I didn't buy Halo 5. I'm a huge Halo fan, so uh, before Halo 5 came out, I was under the impression I was going to get it because I've never not bought Halo 5, but it just really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, uh, what else? Uh, I want to get to Quantum Break. I haven't been able to. I think I'm going to try to get to that. Um, a lot of this is just barred from me not having expendable income. Um but yeah, just it's familiar, you know, and it's it's even though I was cool to jump ship to go to the PS4, I'm not gonna lie, I'm comfortable being back in the ecosystem I'm used to. Uh, it would have sucked to have to start over and get trophies and not have any kind of legacy there, you know. Um, so it, that that really would have affected me. But uh, yeah, I I think th if you want to own X an Xbox, I think it's I think it's the more social out of the two consoles, to be completely honest with you. I think if you're a multiplayer gamer, I think Xbox is really great for that. Their social aspects of their party platform and everything, I think it's really solid. Um, they've been known for shooters for a long time. I think their social features are just so well done. Um, and I, I, I just really love the console. It's just home to me. I like that it's Microsoft um, because it works with Windows 10. And I like having that cross over from my PC. I like being able to stream directly to my PC. You can do that on PS4 now, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, I just, I love the fact that it's so in bed with Microsoft. Um, I think that's why it's UI is better. I think that's why it sometimes runs better. It's just because they're, they know about that stuff. Um, but by no means do I think Xbox one has 
uh, a reason why you should own it and not a PS4. I think that it has games that would warrant you to own an Xbox One. I think Quantum Break is one of those games. Uh, once again, I haven't played it, but from everything I've heard, it seems like a, a game that you know entices you. Um, plenty of Xbox exclusives coming. Cuphead below. Those are t- just two to name. Like those games are going to be awesome. I highly doubt they won't be. Um, yeah, I don't want to go too long. I want to hear what Dom has to say about PS4. That's uh, just why I love Xbox One. Why I chose when it launched. So. Yeah. Wait, is Below an Xbox exclusive? Yep, Xbox One exclusive. Ooh, I did not know that. Yep. I will say, I will buy an I will buy an Xbox One confirmed for Alan Wake Two when that's announced. <laughs> awesome. I'll give, you, I'll give you my word on that right now. All right. Um, so I guess for me, the most important thing, and you hit it first, was where your friends are. That's where you want to go. Yep. Because generally, when you're playing with your friends, it's going to be a, a better experience, even if it's on a crappier game. And most games are on both of these consoles anyway. So yeah. after that, the next point you want to look at is what exclusives does each console have that you prefer? Yep. For me... And care about. It, yeah, exactly. For me, it, this gen, it was... PlayStation was just an easy choice. The 360, the 360 generation. I've played all the Halo games, all the Gears games all three Fable games. Um, their exclusives were just getting tired on me a little bit. All great games. I, you know, I love and you liked Alan games. Wake too. So. And Alan Wake was probably my favorite exclusive, actually, now that, now that you bring it up. But, but yeah, so I, but after that, I, I, just, I got fatigued from those, I guess, and I wanted to experience some of the stuff, you know, some of the exclusives PlayStation had to offer. Um, and Last of Us, The Last of Us was a big reason why I made that jump. I wanted to, I like you, felt I had to experience that one way shape or form um and i wanted to try all the uncharted games and actually i think i made the decision before bloodborne was even announced because yeah, I mean, yeah it would have had to have been before but what what put the cap on it was the whole announcement uh fiasco so you know when these two were announced i mean i put a pre-order in for a playstation 4 based on what went down at e3 because i didn't you know i wanted to be able to sell games and this and that and not have to be always online obviously that changed but that was a big reason why I made the decision at the time. And at that point, and after it changed back and they reverted on those features, I mean, it was like I wasn't changing back to Xbox for that now. Um, yeah. I want to mention one thing real quick. Um, one of the biggest things that I love Xbox for is backwards compatibility. I love that. I can play Dead Space and all these games that I own on my 360 and I have to p- turn on my 360 and I have to buy them again. Again, if that was announced, like when they announced the console, as well as them not... Having right, if if that coupled with them not having those other features when they announced, I probably not having the need, worst spokesman in the history of video game press conferences. Yeah, yeah. I probably would have bought an Xbox if that were the case. I'm, if Phil Spencer was at that launch conference and he was the guy, I think this this would have been a lot closer. I don't think maybe Xbox One wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't be as far behind. I think it'd be a lot closer because Phil Spencer has a way of talking that that I forgot his name, but it was it was bad. What was it, Don Matrick or something? Yeah, Don Matrick, yeah. That guy was a freaking joke, dude. Yeah. He was, oh my god. There's never been a bigger ball dropped. So besides the exclusives, what else What else do you love about the PS4? I like mean, why? I guess technically it's a little more powerful than the Xbox, but it. I think that's mostly like negligible. I mean, unless you're like playing them side by side, you're not really going to notice any of that. It's it's That is truly a dick measuring contest when people say, well, PS4 is better because it's you know, 0.5 times faster or whatever. If it was drastically, like, better, like, if it was drastically faster and, like, better, then people notice that, but it's not to the point where it's, you know... Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, other than that, I... 
I mean, I, I love the PS4. Um, UI is also pretty simple. I do have some complaints about it, but for the most part, it, it's easy to figure out. So, yeah. Uh, the controller is fantastic. Um, I don't play a lot of multiplayer games. Really, I don't play multiplayer games hardly at all. And I don't play with other people hardly at all. So that wasn't a factor when I made that decision. So it's really the exclusives for me. Like, I if I could, if it was, if it was, if I had the money to do so, I would own both consoles. Period. And this this is a conversation worth having, as opposed to the PC versus console conversation. Yeah. Where you know, console gamers are always well, if I was Uncharted on your PC, it was like, I, I would I would bet that ninety percent of PC gamers also own one or two consoles for those yeah. exclusives alone. But here. Here, I think console gamers are more likely to have one or the other. I think, yeah, you're more likely if you if you get a room full of 100 PC gamers and a room full of 100 console gamers, I think you have a higher percentage of those PC gamers owning consoles than the console uh, gamers owning gaming yeah. PCs. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I don't think uh, the whole fanboy argument. I think you grow out of it as you get older. I think just there comes a point now where it's like there's no point to have that argument. Like competition breeds the best market for both people like playstation owners shouldn't want xbox to do well because guess what if xbox isn't doing well then you're gonna get screwed over just like the same thing for xbox you know like a competition breeds excellence and like if these companies aren't vying for you and doing their best to make the experience better because they don't have any competition then you have products like madden like i love madden but madden doesn't have a competitor because they only own an nfl license look at nba 2k and nba live EA makes all these other great sports games, but it seems like they don't have any competition. The one sports game where they have competition, they can't even release their game year to year because it doesn't sell. 2K beat them on that. And I know it's going a different direction, but it's like, you know, competition breeds the best for consumers. And I think you'd be dumb to want one to fail over the other, you know? So. You know, I mentioned last week on the podcast that uh, the reason I am a PlayStation guy is because of Naughty Dog and the Jack and Daxter series on PS2. Um, before that, I was more of a Nintendo kid, I would say. I had NES and 64 GameCube. And then, after the PS2, uh, just like you, Jared, I you know my family got an Xbox 360 um, just because, yeah, PS3 was out of the price range, so... Um, as soon as I could, I bought my own PS3, um, and made that like my primary console. And then by that time I was just a PlayStation person. Like that was my, my home base. And, um, even without trophies, that's what, that was the system and the ecosystem that mattered to me. So I was, um, kind of locked in for PS4 at that point. Um, the, purchase decision for me buying a ps4 was infamous second son as soon as i started seeing previews for that game i was just sold and i was so ready to get a ps4 and so dying to have that game so that was the initial spark for me um comparing the two i would say yeah the boxes themselves um ps4 looks awesome whether you got the white black whatever color you got um <laughs> the xbox looks like a just a big old hunk of junk to me it's just a f yeah it does <laughs> yeah also if if the 20th anniversary ps4 would have been available at launch i might have bought a ps4 oh not, man that thing. <laughs> that thing that thing yeah yeah see that's how i feel about my white ps4 i think it's like one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen in my life and i kiss it frequently but anyways <laughs> um <laughs> 
I, uh, yeah, the Xbox One, like, I do think it's pretty ugly. I think that, I don't know how they made it that freaking big. Like, I don't know what the hell they were doing. I think it was because they didn't want them overheating, like, the 360s, and so they gave it extra space. Um, but I really like the PS4 box. It sucks that it's, like, um, you know, it has, like, the front and back are, like, slanted, so if you want to get to the ports on the back, you have to like literally pick your console up you can't just plug it in and look at it from the top like you could on an xbox xbox one does a lot better job with uh multitasking yep like anytime you want to multitask in ps4 you have to suspend or close the application that you're using oh man and with xbox one like quantum break i was playing it the other day and i wanted to watch some youtube videos so i hopped out real quick got on youtube Watched the video, closed YouTube, hopped right back into Quantum Break, and it was I was going. Yep. And with PlayStation, like it's it's still fast. It's not like you're waiting or anything, but yeah, it does have to suspend the application and then, you know, get you moved over to the other one. So, Xbox is way better when it comes to multitasking in that sense. I think at this point, it's really if if you haven't bought one of these consoles yet, just do your research, see what you prioritize more, see what yeah. exclusives mean more to you. And uh, just make the decision on your own. Like, you can't go wrong with either console. I mean, if you have the expendable income, I would say buy both. Um, yeah. But, I mean, a lot of people don't have that kind of income to do so. I Do your research. They're both worth having. They're both great consoles. Um, yeah, I, I, I think there's no wrong choice unless you buy a Wii U, of course. That's the wrong choice. Uh, that was a long topic. We went for a while. So let's get into the other topic here, which probably won't be as long. Um, if you don't know by now, you're probably living under a rock. Nice to meet you, Patrick Starr. Um, Disney Infinity <laughs> is no more. Uh, Disney is stopped being a game publisher. They're now going to be licensing all of their properties to other people to make video games. Um, this is really weird on the surface level because people are like, well, Disney Infinity wasn't that successful. It actually wasn't as successful as you think it was. Not from game sales, from over-manufacturing of the actual toys. Um, they had a problem, a Nintendo problem, when Disney Infinity first launched where they didn't, they couldn't meet supply uh, for the demand. So uh, I think it was Disney Infinity either 2.0 or 3.0. They actually over-produced uh, pr- uh, um, Infinity figures. And to their dismay, they didn't sell. Um, so this is sad. Uh, obviously, a lot of people love Disney Infinity. I wasn't a big Toys to Life guy. I think a lot of the figures are cool and I want to buy some of them. The Amiibos and the Disney Infinity ones. But not for playing games with them. Um, I think the bigger story here, uh, like Jordan and I were talking about before the show started was that uh, Disney Interactive uh, is no more and uh, that they're going to be licensing their their stuff. So all of the Disney stuff, all of the Marvel stuff, all of the Star Wars stuff uh, is going to be you know being licensed out. So what do you guys think about this? Is this a huge thing for Disney? Is this scary for the rest of the Toys to Life games? You know, everyone's worried about LEGO Dimensions and Skylanders now. I, I've, I've thought this since Skylanders came out that Toys to Life is is another rock band Guitar Hero situation. A I fad. think it'll come and go. It's a fad, and I definitely think that um, parents have to be wising up to this. The fact that they're just like spending out the wazoo for these toys and these, you know, the the extra launch pad or whatever you got to get. It's like just buy a game, you know, just buy your kid a game. It's not worth all the extra crap and. It's very much money grubby. It's it's obvious that it's a cash grab. 
You know, that's all these things have ever been. Really. At least Lego has the Lego brand behind it, and you actually build something. Like, it's actually interactive. I think Lego has it over the other two. Well, Definitely, other I would agree. Yeah. And then I would say, um, not only you mentioned the closing of Disney Interactive, which is big, um, but also Avalanche Studios closing, which is not to be confused with the Avalanche that just released Just Cause 3 and Mad Max last year. That's a totally different studio. Um, but Avalanche and Disney Interactive that have just closed under Disney are very important studios. And, you know, Disney Interactive has been around for years and years and years since like even the 90s. I can remember playing PC games, Mickey Mouse paint type crap. Um, so it's sad to see them go. It's sad to see Disney just completely jumping out like this and, and not even, I mean, sure, they're going to be licensing their stuff out, but. It's kind of like Lionhead closing. It's just kind of out of, excuse me, out of the blue and very surprising. So, yeah, it sounded like they had their own problems, you know, w- you know, within their organization. I don't think this is a sign that the whole toys to life thing is dying. Which I agree with you. It's money grubby and it's stupid, and <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm obviously not into it. But I think there's there's a economic place for it because kids want these things, right? So I think Disney had their own problems inside, you know. There's some bad management going on or something. I don't think this is a sign of the whole industry, the whole that whole thing being in trouble at all. Do you think that Skylanders, like the Skylanders brand, not Spyro, but Skylanders, and not Lego, but Lego Dimension, do you think that's going to be around in five or ten years? Yeah. Maybe. I say yeah, Lego I will. I say Lego Dimension I say will. Lego has a chance, but I... If we see Skylanders on the shelf in five years, I'm going to be amazed. Yeah, I don't think Skylanders has legs. Probably in five years, they'll still be around. In ten years, yeah, Skylanders might be gone by then. Yeah. It just And you say parents have to wise up. Man, I've seen plenty of parents when I used to work at Best Buy. They walk in, and their kid's just like, I want this. They, the parents don't care. The yeah. parents, they're like, okay, I'll buy it for you. What does it do? Cool, whatever. Be quiet. I'll buy it for you, you know? And I it's, get that, but when you got when your kids got twenty figures, you're talking about like the starter pack with three figures, the pad, and the no, game, you have no idea. There was parents who would go in there with a basket, dude, and like scoop up a shelf. Like it's insane. Well, that's messed up. But I'm thinking like for most parents, once they see the trend of okay, now we've bought the game and the three starter figures and the pad, and then they get to ten figures, and then they get to twenty figures, and then you're like. Okay, holy shit, I've spent, you know, $300 on this single video game when I could have bought my kid a whole new console. And I think it's parent understanding, too. Like, when I was a kid, my mom would, when I would want a video game, she would, I would say, I want a couple of video games. I want one of these two video games. And I was a pretty smart kid. And she was like, well, which one will last you longer? And I said, well, this one, probably. She's like, well, get that one, then, because it'll last you longer. And I think a lot of parents don't do, they don't understand video games like that. I don't, I don't think they have conversations with their kids like that, so they don't understand, like, if this video game goes away, those toys are pointless. Yep, well, and they're not like action figures. They're on platforms. If anything, they're collector yeah. items to look at. They're, they're not really statues, functional yeah. toys. If they were functional toys, that's why Lego has the up. They're actual yeah. functional toys. You know. Yeah. So this is the business model that like simply works best with kids. I mean, you see it in everything. Like even from Happy Meal toys. Like, well, Pokemon. Pokemon it was my prime example. That yeah, how do you sell your parents on buying you Silver Edition when you already have Gold? Yep. Well, what's the difference, right? Well, there's like three or four Pokemon that you can't get in this one. It's like... And that leads the... you to buy the cards, which then right. lead you to buy this, which then lead you to buy the... Yeah. 
I think uh, I think out of the two, Lego Dimensions has more legs, just because, for instance, if a parent's buying their kid Lego, which is I think Lego is still way too expensive. They're so popular they shouldn't have to be as expensive as they are. But that's a different story. I think that yeah. because they're actual functional toys, I think that they have a, a, a way to extend their life as opposed to Skylanders. Um, but who knows? We're not kids, so we're not in the zeitgeist there. But uh, I'll always be a kid. I'll always be a kid. Um, I, I do want to say something real quick about Disney. I think they said, all right, we lost $150 million. That's a shit ton of money. But for Disney, they're saying... It's a drop All in right, the bucket. Cut, yeah, like, let's cut our losses and just get out of here. So they wanted to wash their hands of this. They wanted to drop it, move along, and just kind of forget that it happened. If anything, this gets me excited for Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 being a possible game. <laughs> you know, all these, like, actual, like, Mar- like uh, there's obviously already Star Wars games in the in the, in the works. So that doesn't get me surpri- uh, surprised. You know what would be awesome? Cuphead, right? Cuphead is awesome, art style, cool. Imagine if Disney licensed their a Steamboat Willie to that studio to make a Steamboat Willie game. They already have the art style down, you know? That would be super hmm. dope. I would play that, personally. I was just going to say that, you know, Disney wanted to wipe their hands of this and drop it and act like kind of it never happened. And for a company that big, they can do that. But they burned some people, man. Like, think of, like, the parents, even if they didn't notice it before... They're definitely going to notice it now when the kid's like, yeah, that game is done and they're not making any new figures and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, wait, what? The thing that we spent $400 on is no longer continuing and this, that, and the other. And like, I'm sure they pissed gamers off that they killed off Disney Interactive. Like, I think they thought that it's like, all right, let's cut our losses and move on. But I think people are going to remember this, especially those who invested so much in Disney Infinity because it was an investment. Yeah, it was dumb for them to invest in the first place. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, it, I, I don't blame them for doing so, but they should have seen it coming, you know. Um, so that's our talk about Disney Infinity and, uh, you know, Avalanche closing and Disney Interactive and everything. Hopefully all those guys landed jobs elsewhere because obviously they made a great game. Uh, it was the figures that kind of did them in, unfortunately. Uh, what, what's your topic here, Dom? You, you mentioned Pokemon earlier. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, staying on the uh, line of kids' games, I picked up Pokemon Y, like I mentioned, on 3DS. Why did you pick up Y and not X? I just liked the look of the guy on the cover. Oh, okay, the, the bird, right yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought he looked a little cooler than like the weird deer deer thing. On yeah. That one. yeah. Um, so that's why I grabbed that one. Yeah, completely superficial decision. But, um, well, what else do you have to go by when it comes to Pokemon? Yeah, exactly. And especially considering that the last Pokemon I played was crystal version 15 years <laughs> 15 years removed from welcome pokemon, back welcome back welcome back so well <laughs> might get a copyright strike there we, we did the math earlier and so that means i was in first or second grade or so was the last time i played pokemon that's like playing the original super mario brothers and then not playing a mario game until like galaxy, galaxy. <laughs> can you imagine like the phenomenon you would feel that would be like Ooh, obviously, wow. it's not the jump in jump in game. You know, obviously, it's not that wide of a gap, but it still is crazy that far between. So, what do you? I'm, I'm interested. What do you? What do you like most about the the new Pokemon? Like, what's the? Are there any differences that are glaring that you that you noticed? The the one thing actually I, I will point out that I don't like is I think it's the third city that I've been to. I can't remember the name of it. It really zooms in 
on a you know on that third person perspective yeah it feels more like an action game in that sense when you're oh uh, rollerblading like the, the, around. you're talking about the big city right like the really yeah. big yeah yeah and it's it's fine but it just feels weird i would i want more in, in general like to be zoomed out a little bit yeah that maybe and i'm just not used to it um <laughs> it's different it's not necessarily worse um but that was one thing i remembered that i wanted to point out but in general the whole thing is it's like i told you guys earlier it's like seeing a movie about a book you've read yeah. whereas the old pokemon games there's very little color and you know the graphics were extremely limited 2d pokemon so you, battles exactly you had to fill in a lot with your imagination like you would reading a book and yeah. then this is like seeing the movie where all of a sudden colors and everything and graphics are given to you um so it's cool uh all the animations during the battles are actually really cool um i naturally picked up uh charmander and I named him Kevin. He's becoming my favorite so far. Hi, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. I just, th- there's something to be said about it. They're childish games completely, but there's something to be said about like collecting monsters and training them. I, I, Brilliant it's concept. It's, it's fun, yeah. man. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It definitely is. I don't think it's a, people get offended when people say this, but it is baby's first RPG. It's comforting. Like it's just a comfortable game to go back to. You know what you have to do. It might be different sometimes, but it is a familiar path. It's like, it's like a like a nostalgia with a new sticker on it, you know. Like it's very nostalgic, but there is some new stuff to it. So it's like familiar, but not familiar. I I, I love the Pokemon games. It's cool to see you playing one after that long. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. There's some interesting new mechanics too. I mean, I've I've not been used to uh, battling like with two Pokemon at a time and things like that, and getting attacked by hordes of Pokemon, which is was really interesting. Um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I like it. It's it's easy too. It's a little more mindless compared to where I've been playing Fire Emblem, which is like, you know, difficult like strategy. This is a little more like laid back. Like I'm gonna just walk around in the grass and train my my little Kevin. So. And you went with your your starter. You went with was Froki, right? Yeah, yeah, Froki. I I I thought he looked the coolest. I usually pick the fire starter, um, but I'm glad I didn't. Obviously, because I'm knowing that uh now knowing that I get a Charmander early on. Who are the stars in this one? It was Froki, Chesspin, and then the Fox one, right? Fennekin or Fenneker, something like that. Yeah, he was Fennekin, a fox-looking yeah. guy. Yeah, he, that's probably the worst Firestarter out of all of the games. It's probably the worst-looking one. They're, the Firestarters are always cool, and that one just isn't. I remember in Crystal Version, because I, I did play that game a lot, even though it was 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, the Firestarter was that, like, porcupine-looking guy. Cyndaquil? I love that guy. Cyndaquil. Yeah. He was my guy. Quillava. They, the first and second generations definitely had some of the coolest stars. Like Typhlosion was really cool looking. You know, obviously yeah. Charizard. Um, Venusaur gets less cool. Like Bulbasaur is really cool. And then Ivysaur is less cool. And then Venusaur is really not cool. I do not like them at all. I like Bulbasaur. I think Bulbasaur is really cool. I, it, Venusaur is probably the worst looking one. It just He looks like something's wrong. Like, you know, he was dropped as a child or something. <laughs> Um, Jesus. Is, is there anything else you want to mention about playing Pokemon? Like, you know, is it is there anything going on that you didn't expect? Like, is there anything surprising at all? You said the double battles, right? Surprise you? That just came out of nowhere, too. I mean, I, you know, I hit one of those trainers in a path, and all of a sudden, like, they threw out two Pokemon. And I didn't even know that that was a possibility. And so I was kind of like, oh, shoot. Well, I'm glad I got two guys now. Have but... you done a chain battle yet? I think that's what it's called. So you know when you're in the wild and you run into the grass and you run into one Pokemon? Right. There's a new mechanic in Pokemon where you go into, I think it's tall grass, 
and you run into like five Pokemon at once. They're really yeah. weak. Yeah. That was the horde I was talking about. Horde. That's how, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's how they termed it. Also, apparently, there's Mega Evolutions. Yep. I've not seen it happen yet, but it, it was explained to me. So, yeah, you, you get game. a stone. So, there's, like, a, a Charizardite, and it's basically in your inventory. <laughs> and when you're fighting with it, they name it's Yeah, it's very simple. Charizardite. Everything is real cheesy. Yeah. And so, when you're in battle, you activate it, and they Mega Evolve, but it's only for that battle. And the cool thing with, like, Charizard is there's actually two versions. There's Charizardite Charizard X and Charizard I... Charizardite Y, and one of them he turns into a black and blue version of Charizard, which is really sick, and the other one is just like, oh, whatever. Um, so it's only for one battle, though? Yeah, well, you can, it's not, it only, it's not that the, you only have the, the Charizardite for one battle, it activates, and it only lasts for that battle. So you can activate it every battle, but it he, he's not going to be mega form out of battle, if that makes sense. That sucks. So um, it, it changes the mechanics, though, I mean. It also changes their just... types. Right, it changes the type, so their stats are going to change a little bit. If you know what, you know what's more effective against them. And you can only make evolve one Pokemon per fight too. You can't be spamming. You can't have like things. Charizard comes in, Mega evolves, and if he dies, you bring in Alakazam and he Mega evolves. You can only have one per fight. Um, I'm interested. Have you ever heard of shiny Pokemon? No. Do you, you have no idea what that is, Jordan? No. Do you have any idea what that is? Is that, like, you can get different colored versions of your Pokemon in the game, right? Yeah. Shiny Pokemon or shiny versions or shiny versions of Pokemon are a statistical anomaly that happens where, I think it's, I don't know the numbers, but it's like every one in 300,000, I think, you have a chance of getting a, and I could be off with these numbers, obviously. I'm doing this off the top of my head. But you have a chance to get a shiny Pokemon. Um, for instance, I think the shiny Charmander is black. And the shiny Charizard is black. So it's basically you have this Pokemon and it's a different color. It's just really cool. It's like a it's like a collector's item. It's like, oh, you have Charizard level 100? I have a shiny Charizard level 100, you know? It's a mechanic that wasn't in the first games because it was black and white. There's no point to have different colored Pokemon if they have no colors to begin with. There's whole things about this, uh, Dom, that you don't even know about. There's shiny hatching where if you get a... So if you get a Ditto from a foreign country and you get an american an american pokemon if you breed them you have a higher chance of breeding a shiny pokemon so it's mm. like this whole like second tier level thing in pokemon where people spend time trying to hatch shiny versions of the pokemon they like and it's more of like a new game plus thing like if you finish the game it's like i want to get shiny versions right um i'm just surprised you never even knew about this it's cool because you can even like google some of the versions and some of the colors they choose are weird. Like, shiny Pikachu is slightly more orange. You can't even really tell. Whereas, like I said, shiny Charmander, I think, is black. So it's a complete aesthetic difference. So it's cool. It's something just... to Google in your spare time to just check out. Is there just the shiny versions? Or are there, like... I feel like I remember looking online and seeing, like... Dull. You know... Well, just like random Pokemon, like Gyarados, you could get like a purple Gyarados. No, or there's only two versions of Gyarados. There's regular Gyarados and red Gyarados. In, I could be butchering this. I think in Silver at that lake, you can get a red Gyarados. I think you have a chance to. Um, but yeah, there's not multiple colors. There's there's three versions of a Pokemon. There's its regular color, its shiny color, and its Mega color. But Mega is only obviously in battle if you Mega evolve, and they don't always change color. So. Um, but it is an interesting thing. Like, 
I want. I know a lot of the Pokemon you're not familiar with, Dom, right? In the new X and Y. Oh yeah. But I, I'd be interested to see if you ran into a Pokemon you're already familiar with, and you're like, "Oh, that's that's not the color I remember for it," and you actually run into a shiny. I didn't know about shinies for the longest time, so I'm kind of. I never knew you could run into them, so I might have not even paid attention. You know. I probably wouldn't notice if I did. But yeah, since you bring that up, I do like that. I have recognized a lot of the Pokemon I've run into. I mean, there's plenty that are brand new. But yeah. they do a good job at, you know, putting some of those original guys here and there. Like, I ran into a Pidgey early on. Yeah. Um, and a few others. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember those guys. They're very good at that, like, making it new but also making it familiar. Like, right. Because for you, you haven't played in 15 years. And I think there would be a huge sense of detachment if you didn't have some familiar faces. Exactly. You know? That's why if I was a... so pumped about the Charmander. Yeah, if, like, you're a bunch of new Pokemon. You're like, I don't care about Doofish, Snaz, and Rainbow Head, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Speaking of that, was – Correct me, Jared. Was it just uh, black and white? Where, see, it kind of turned me off on black and white, or at least I don't know about two, but on the first one, um, you had to beat the game to even be able to see like the first original one fifty. Isn't that right? Yeah, some games do that where they unlock certain types of Pokemon. Uh, in black, there was original Pokemon. Like you can get a Growlithe, you can get other types, but. Um, I think in black and white, it opened up an area where there was more, you're more prone to running into a certain generation of Pokemon. Um, real quick, get into what we, we're going to be playing. Um, probably going to be playing some more Trials Fusion. Going to get back to Lords of the Fallen. And I'm going to see if I can get uh, either Doom or Quantum Break on Redbox. Jordan hit me up with that smart idea, so I might end up doing that. Um, yeah, it's pretty much for me. Nothing crazy going on. What about you guys? So, yeah, I'm going to be playing Far Harbor, uh, hopefully this weekend. Um, so... I'm going to be, uh, hopefully by next week I'll be nearing or have finished, uh, nearing the end or having finished uh, Witcher Hearts of Stone so that I can be all prepared for Blood and Wine when it comes out at the end of the month. And then, um, pretty sure that I'll be done with Quantum Break by next week. Um, but then something I wanted to shout out, I totally forgot when I, uh, was talking about what I had been playing last week at the beginning of the show. Um, I got Valkyria Chronicles remastered for PS4 uh, when it came out earlier this week. And um, it's really my first strategy game, to be honest. I played a little bit of the Blue Dragon sequel on DS. That was a strategy game. But other than that, I really haven't delved into strategy before um, or tactical role-playing games. So, um, so far, it's really good. I'm already about halfway through the game. I played a bunch of that this week, even though I forgot... Um, but yeah, really enjoying Valkyria Chronicles Remastered. It's only 30 bucks if you're looking for a solid um, strategy RPG. And I mean, really, PS4 is just like dying for a good JRPG at this point. So it's good to have that. And uh, definitely be playing that this upcoming week and maybe even finish it. So Valkyria Chronicles Remastered. Sweet. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for watching. Uh, if you're listening... Please give this a like on iTunes if you're listening through there. Uh, rate us if you can. It really helps. Uh, like this on SoundCloud if you can. Um, you know, Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter. We're still trying to hit 50 followers. So like we said, we still have that giveaway happening once we hit that. So definitely if you haven't yet, follow us on Twitter. Even if you don't use Twitter, just go and hit the follow button. Um, we'll mention the giveaway once we hit 50 on our next podcast following when we do that. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for watching, and we'll see you guys in episode 13. Any closing thoughts, guys? Raise the sun. May the force be with you. Goodbye, guys.